It's not, so we're not supposed to do that. Uh, but Matthew chapter 23 is a really interesting chapter because this is what Jesus does. is He gathers the crowds and he gathers his disciples and he is now going to give his final public sermon as it is presented in the Gospel of Matthew. And you can imagine of all the final public sermons that you would want to proclaim, maybe you wouldn't have thought this would be the last one, but this is what he does. is He starts talking about the religious leaders and he pronounces woes on them for being hypocrites. In fact, in chapter 23, there are seven woes. Now, uh, we don't really use the word woe an awful lot. That's kind of a more of a, an outdated, antiquated term. But when a woe was pronounced, it carried with it a mixture of a lamentation as well as a condemnation. You're condemning them for what they're doing, but you're sorrowful that that's the, the situation that things are in. It is a sad warning of this coming disaster. And so this chapter is going to record that for us. Now, I thought crazily that I was going to do one chapter in one sermon. I was put to wrong as I wrote it. This will be a two-part lesson, and so the second part will be on the other side of our lectureship that we have. We're going to look at the first three ways to be able to be a hypocrite this morning, the other four ways, Lord willing, in two weeks. But I want you to notice something interesting about how Jesus starts this as he's talking to the crowds and he's talking to his disciples. He says there in verse two that the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. And so do and observe whatever they tell you. This is the only positive sentence Jesus has in this whole chapter. This whole chapter is just full of lamentation and doom. And yet he opens by saying, when they're teaching the law of Moses, I want you to listen to them and I want you to do what they say. That's the idea of the, the seat of Moses. When they are speaking, here's what the law says, then I want you to listen to what they have to say and I want you to do what they teach. Which I do think is fascinating to think about for a minute that here is this whole chapter that is just going to be a, a thunderous blow to these religious leaders in all of their hypocrisy, in all of their deceit. And yet Jesus is still able to say that that doesn't mean you don't listen when they're saying what's true. You know, sometimes we have, a, have in our religious world right now, you know, well, they're all a bunch of hypocrites, so I don't have to listen to anything. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, well, all these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. So it doesn't matter what they say. Just just walk away and never listen to them. He doesn't say that. He says, when they've got the scroll open and they're on the seat of Moses and they're reading the law and they're teaching what it says, you need to listen to what the law says. You need to listen to what the word is teaching. The problem is the rest of that verse. Notice in verse 3, it says, Observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. Here's the problem. They do teach what the law says, but they don't do what they teach. They say, here's what God's word proclaims. And yet, unfortunately, they're unwilling to do exactly what they are teaching other people to do. This is an interesting place to start because 
I think sometimes there is this mentality regarding spiritual leadership is that all the whole point of spiritual leadership is that you just tell everybody what to do. You know, you don't have to do it yourself. You just tell everybody else what to do. In fact, that seems to be pretty common in the religious world. How many times that you find these these teachers and leaders and they're all caught doing the wrong thing because, well, their whole job was just to tell everybody else what to do, but they really didn't have an intent on practicing it themselves. And, and Jesus is condemning this as hypocrisy. First way to be a hypocrite. Tell everybody else what God says, but don't practice it yourself. Don't have that same example yourself. In fact, I would submit to you that that really is the whole idea for spiritual leaders as described in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, where there's a listing of those who could be qualified to be elders and shepherds of, of God's church. And the, the, none of the qualifications are they're really good at telling people what to do. You know, they're very good communicators of telling people how to do things. That's not the qualities. The quality is, do they live what God has told them to do? Every single qualification in there is about godliness and about how they are following what God has said, that they are expected to not only say it, but also live it. That's why you get things like, the qualities of being sober-minded and self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not violent, not drunk, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, but gentle, managing the household well with all dignity, above reproach, a one-woman man, among other qualifications. All of these are images of what the life is supposed to look like, what you're supposed to see in that individual. And, and that's what even... Peter says, I always find this, this passage so important because I feel like it's often really missed that when Peter describes shepherding the flock among you and exercising this oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And then notice, not domineering over those in your charge or some translations, not lording it over them. Well, then what's the opposite of domineering and lording it over them? Peter says it, I want you to be an example to the flock. And this was the problem that Jesus is putting his finger on. Here's these religious leaders. They're really great at telling everybody what the word says and telling everybody what to do. But they're absolutely unwilling to do it themselves. In fact, you get a sense of that even in verse 4 when it says they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. And lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Here, we're going to give you all the laws and put all these burdens and all these rules on you. You all need to do all these things, but they won't do it themselves. They, they don't follow the same medicine that they're giving to the, everybody else. You need to do all these things, but that doesn't apply to me. Now, that's also a very funny thing about human beings and how we often do things in life, that we are really good at seeing how other people need to do better at serving God. And here's all their weaknesses and spiritual flaws and problems, and they need to do this for God, and they need to do that. But it's really curious that we can't see that ourselves about our, our own lives, right? I mean, we just A-plus looking at everybody else. Oh, they just need to do that and that, and they've got all that messed up. But they're unwilling to take the same medicine ourselves. And I think that's such a, an important warning to why Jesus talked about 
You know, when you're looking at other people and you're seeing specks in their eyes, double check that you just don't have a plank coming out of your own eye when you're when you're doing this. And I think one of the things that we often forget is we can put these heavy burdens on others and we're unwilling to put those kinds of burdens on ourselves that maybe what we need to do better at is extend the same grace to others that we often give ourselves. You know, we are willing to give ourselves allowances of how we have failed and messed up and made mistakes and and problems. But you look at somebody else and you go, what's your problem? Get with it. Come on. You know, I'll tolerate myself, but I won't tolerate you. (laughs) And, And this is what they're doing. They're putting heavy burdens on everybody. Here's what you need to do. But they would never make themselves have to follow that. They would never have to carry that same kind of burden. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a picture here that reminds us that we need to live what we say. And this really funnels into the next two paragraphs in this early part of, of Matthew 23. In, in what he expects God's people to do and how not to be a hypocrite. Notice verse 5. <clears throat> They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad. And what's a phylactery, right? And there's, a, there's a funny word. It's like these big boxes that they would wear. And so you would have words in them, and some usually God's law in them. And so they would make them really big so that you could see them, you know, really carrying the law of God with them. So that's what it's talking about here. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ, the greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever exalt whoever humbles himself will be exalted so second way to be a hypocrite is to make sure you get a lot of attention <laughs> exalt yourself make sure everybody sees you and sees what you are are doing the listing here from verse 5 through verse 7 is just all the different ways that they made sure that everybody around them knew that they were very religious and pious and holy and so you'd wear your boxes and you wear different clothes you'd have the tassels as described there in verse 5 they'd make sure to sit in places of honor you know you make sure the seats are facing so everybody else can see that the only, you know, really special people get to sit up here on this chair right here. And everybody looks at them and go, you know, you're really, you're really fantastic, really amazing. You get to sit in that chair. Uh, you, you notice they love the greetings in the marketplaces, being called by these titles like, like rabbi. All that they do is make sure that they get recognition for everything that they do. They make sure that everybody sees them. You might remember Jesus tells a story similar to that where he makes a contrast about a tax collector and a Pharisee. You might remember in that the Pharisee is the one who was standing on the street corner in view of everybody making this very loud prayer. And in his prayer, he is proclaiming how he's a really righteous person who's doing really great before God and not like this terrible person over here, this tax collector. And it is the way to try to draw attention to yourself. 
And I want you to see that that Jesus is making a point here that no one is supposed to be elevated above another. You see that in verse eight, when he says that no one be called a rabbi because you have one teacher. But notice the rest. You're all brothers. There's no ladder. There's no elevation. There's no it's not like a a corporation where you have all of your your layers of here's who's in charge and moving your way up the ladder. He says you're all equal before God. And one of the things that has just always stunned me. Because it's in the Bible. Is how often the religious world completely blows this text and doesn't do what it says. I mean, it's really fascinating to me that here you have a text that says, you know, make sure you don't wear clothes that separates you from everybody else. Well, well, there's an awful lot of religion that does that. There's an awful lot of religious groups who do that very thing to make sure you wear something different so that you know, okay, well, that guy must be somebody important. Make sure he talks about that you're not going around wearing titles, you know, well, Go around making sure you call them by a title. Make sure you call them by those. But you can't call them just Brent. You got to call them something fancy. That's what he's talking about right here. Is that here is this concern that Jesus has that all the attention is supposed to go to Jesus. And we're not supposed to be the detractors of that. We're not supposed to be the ones who are wearing titles, wearing clothing, or doing things that can draw attention to ourselves in any way whatsoever. And yet that happens today all the time in terms of titles and names and clothes and attention and seats and all of those things go on all the time. And I always just sit here and wonder, has anybody read Matthew 23, which says we're all in the same field and we're all the same place and we all in the same position and there's not supposed to be any elevation, any titling, any clothing, any special recognition whatsoever. That's what God says to do. And I mean, I, for myself, I try to even take this to an extreme as much as I can. I've never understood why you would have a preacher's name on the sign out front. Uh, Why? Who cares who's talking in here? What matters is the big name on the sign, Christ. That's, that's who, who, who's relevant. We're not important. Uh, Who stands up here is not important. What is important is who, who who are we following? Who are we listening to? Who are we seeking after? And that's Christ. He's the one that's supposed to get all of the attention. You'll notice like in the, on the bulletin board, on the preacher board that there, you're just like, not like special, like me all by myself picture, you know, and there's, you know, Mr. Brent over here. You know, no, we're all together in this. And it's not about having special designations and being set apart and having some kind of differentiation. I, I told you the story when it happened a few few years ago. I was had struck up a discussion with someone when my car was getting worked on, and I was sitting there studying my Bible, and I was doing work, and that, that engaged a conversation. And, and he said this to me. He said, I guarantee you, if I could go to any church, I can walk in the parking lot, and I can know by looking at the cars who's the preacher's car. And I said, not my parking lot, you wouldn't. <laughs> Not mine. I got an 11 year old Toyota out there. <laughs> See, not mine. <laughs> but when he said that, I thought, man, doesn't that really say something? Doesn't that really say something about the religious world? 
that, man, it is for the show. And of all people, that it's not to be, be about the show is us. And yet religious leaders and teachers and shepherds and preachers seem to be adept at doing the very thing that Jesus says not to do, which is separate yourself, identify yourself and draw special attention to yourself. We're not supposed to be any different whatsoever. And that's why if you ever talk to me and I introduce myself, I say, I'm Brent and you have no idea I'm a preacher till I stand up here because, oh, yeah. Because that's what it's supposed to be all about. We are all equal. And I love verse 8 that says, friends, we have one teacher. And that teacher is Jesus. And all of us are just brothers and sisters together trying to listen to the teacher who is the one who is who is helping us as we serve him in, in the best way possible. In fact, notice how he underscores that in verse 11. You want to be great? Verse 11, he says, then be a servant. You want to be great? Then greatness comes by by serving. Greatness is not about making a show about what you are doing. Greatness is not about having a title. Greatness is not about having some special honor. Greatness is not a drawing attention to yourself. It is not having people do things for you or make make much of you. Greatness is serving. And really, greatness is about serving quietly like Jesus. You know, I want you to think about Jesus for a minute and think about all the ways that he lowered himself and all the ways that he served others. What is so amazing is he is the king, the creator, and he never acted like it when he walked around on the earth. He never acted like it. He never acted like, you know, I'm such a big shot, In fact, he went to great lengths to show the opposite. One of the great scenes is in John 13, where Jesus has his disciples in a room. And unbeknownst to them, Jesus just takes off his robe and he finds a towel and ties it around his waist. And he starts filling a bowl of water and he's on his hands and knees and goes up to one of the disciples And starts washing feet. Remember Peter is so appalled by what this means. (laughs) That Peter goes. You're not doing that to me. Peter's aware. Like If anything role reversal here. I should be on the ground. You should be in the sea. Jesus you are worthy of everything. About honor and glory. And Jesus turns and doesn't tell Peter. Glad you kind of figured it out. I was trying to teach you something. Get on the ground and wash my feet. Jesus says, if you don't let me do this, you don't have any part with me. Because the essence of Jesus is serving. It is always about giving and serving. It is never about attention. It is never about self-promotion. And we really have to be careful about that these days because there's an awful lot about self-promotion. It's a It's like the culture right now. You've got to promote yourself. You have to make much of yourself. You need to make a name for yourself. You've got to get your name in lights. You've got to make sure everybody knows who you are. Not the people of God. People of God don't care. We don't care if anybody knows who we are or what we're doing. We just want to serve Jesus. And that's what Jesus is looking for. Is not name and lights. But simply doing the Father's will. And Jesus is such an amazing example of that. 
where here is the king who didn't act like a king, but rather acted like a servant. And so greatness is about quietly serving like Jesus did. And then the third one, watch what he does as he now pronounces his first woe in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much the child of hell as yourselves. Now, sometimes Jesus is a little sharp, wasn't he? <laughs> wow, a little zing on that one. What a third way to be a hypocrite. And I want you to notice in these two woes, you can combine the idea together. And Jesus is talking about you go around making God hard for others. Isn't that interesting how he describes that in verse 13? You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And you think about that for a minute, you kind of wonder, well, what exactly were they doing that was causing them to block other people from coming in? It's especially curious to think about because remember, Jesus started this by stating one good thing about them. He said, you know, when they're teaching the law, listen to the law and do what they say. So he can't be talking about that when he says, you know, here's what they do. They shut the doors in people's faces so that they are unable to enter the kingdom of heaven. You see in verse 13, it says you're not going in yourselves and you're not letting other people go in either. I think verse 15 maybe even helps a little bit. Because he says you, you travel all over the place to make a single convert. <laughs> but then he says by making them a convert... You've made it worse than ever before. So again, in these two woes, you're, you're thinking, okay, well, what were they doing exactly that was so bad if the teaching from the law was correct? And one of the things that he's been talking about in this section, and he will continue to talk about throughout this chapter, is their level of hypocrisy. Is the way that they are blocking people from entering the kingdom is because of the terrible way they love their lives. They're saying one thing, but they're not following it. They're not doing anything in regards to that. And really, their polluted life is just leading people the wrong way. You know, imagine here is somebody who's just coming to the Lord from an individual like these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and, and, and religious leaders. And they say, you need to follow God. And they're okay. Okay, we're going to follow God. And then they start modeling their life after them. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, that's a problem. Because their lives are polluted. They themselves aren't entering the kingdom. They themselves aren't doing what God says. They just have an outward facade of caring about God. And they're keeping people from coming closer to God. And they're making it hard for people to come near to God because of their poor lifestyle. Which is really a tremendous, tremendous warning. Because he is picturing that these people, their words were so religious. But their lives were such spiritual disasters 
that it was taking people the wrong way. That they could say, here's what it means to follow God. But if they tried to emulate that, that took them further from God. There is a reason why Jesus warns us about how we interact with the world. And that we have to do far more than just talk about it. That the life has to match it. That being salt of the earth and light of the world is not just simply going out and telling everybody about God, but that then they're able to look at our lives and emulate that and follow that and see, oh, okay, that's what it looks like to be a follower. I need to do that. Their example made things worse. Their example closed the door. It took them away from God all the more. And friends, I don't know how much more disturbing it could be to think about people losing their souls because we led such a poor example. That's pretty scary. Because here is, notice the zeal. You go land and sea trying to make a convert. And you'd be like, that's commendable. That's amazing. You're going all over the place. You're teaching God to the world. You're on ships and you're on, uh, on, on donkeys and you're doing walks. That's what he's telling them. You're going everywhere. And he says, but you're only making things worse. Because your example is so bad. Because your life is so polluted that it's drawing people away from God. So this is the big application that I want to draw from this and we'll sit on this for a moment and then we'll we'll wrap up. With these religious leaders, Jesus is showing them that it was possible for them to think that they were doing God's will, that they were obeying God's word, and that they were teaching God's truth and still be hypocrites. That it was possible for them to think that they're saying the right things and doing the right things and still not be in the kingdom. And not only themselves not be in the kingdom, cause other people to not be in the kingdom as well. Did you notice in all three of these condemnations that Jesus gives in this beginning, all three of them focus on the words don't match the lifestyle. All three of them. All three of them are, you have words, but those words don't match how you're living. He talks about practicing what you preach. He talks about glory to yourselves and not being a servant. You're looking for honor and glory. You're unwilling to, to, to bend the knee and serve others. And he talks about preventing other people from coming in because of your poor example. All three of these are pictures of being more concerned about the words and not concerned about the life. You teach things, but you don't do them. You do things to be seen, but you don't really do things for the help and service of others. You just want to make sure you're seen. You do things that block people from being saved because you're not living the way that God lives. What I want you to do this morning is I want you for a moment to just think in very real terms. 
We live in a time that is very much anti-fake. We want people to keep it real and not be fake. And I just want you to take a spiritual inventory of yourself this morning and consider if you are real with God or if it's simply living like a hypocrite. Are we the light that leads people to God? Or are we a darkness that makes it harder for people to see God? Are we reflecting the image of Christ in all that we do? Or is it more just a reflection of ourselves and about who we are? Do we make much of God? Do we make much of ourselves? And let me end with this question. Can other people follow us to eternal life? Or would their following us lead to their eternal destruction? That's what Jesus is getting on them about. He says, people listen to you and they follow your life. And they're missing God altogether and going to eternal destruction. Will people listen to us and follow our lives? And would that bring them closer to God? Or would it actually shut the door and cause them to go the wrong way? Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, these words are heavy as you gave it through your son. What amazing teaching to challenge our hearts about who we really are. And Lord, I pray that we would take an inventory today and really look honestly at ourselves and really look carefully. And Lord, help us to see that even though we might be saying the right things and seemingly doing the right things, that we might still have hypocritical hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would help shine a light into our hearts to see if we are truly zealous for you, if we truly have a heart for you, or maybe that we would see that that's not the case, that maybe all these things are a facade and all these things are a show. Lord, I pray that you would help us do exactly as we teach, that as we read your words, we would put them into practice first and foremost in our lives. And and God, forgive us for how we may be so strongly telling other people to do God's will and yet are unwilling to do it ourselves. Forgive us for when we have tried to show other people what's right, but in our own ears, we haven't even listened to what we were telling them. Help us to follow the very things that we tell others. And Lord, we pray that we would be salt and light, that we would be an example to those around us. Help us to shine in such a way so that when people see us, it would draw them closer to you. Forgive us for polluted lives. Forgive us for selfish lives. Forgive us if we have lives that have been self-serving and not God-glorifying. Lord, I pray that you would help us to look at our lives in an honest way and see where we can change. Help us to pay attention to the areas in our lives that are maybe drawing people away from you. Where we are engaged in sinful things or worthless things. Help us to see them and change them before it's too late. And Lord, thank you for these strong words because we need to hear them. And they help us see who we are. 
and help us see where we need to change. So thank you for your love and thank you for your mercy and grace. And thank you for continuing to receive us in spite of all of our failures as we strive to serve you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.